0: Here's the thing, I applied for a lot of um, film schools in Germany, and none of them liked my application. So, half bitter, uh, I threw myself in the adventure of seven a day that I just mentioned.
1: Sometimes plan A doesn't work out. you got to be ready to improvise. That's one of the themes in Bastian Lehman's story. He had a different career path in mind, but ended up settling for entrepreneurship. So far, it's going pretty well. He's the co-founder and CEO of Postmates, a delivery startup that's part of this race to remake the way we shop. He's raised about a quarter billion dollars. I'm John Ford from CNBC, and you're listening to the Fort Knox Podcast, Rich Ideas and Powerful People. I do this weekly, bringing you the highest achievers. We're going to learn how the very best climb to the top and pull out lessons along the way. that sounds good to you, make this a habit and subscribe. Postmates was originally supposed to be doing furniture delivery. That didn't work out for some interesting reasons we'll get into in a bit. When I sat down with Bastion Lehman at the New York Stock Exchange, I got a fresh appreciation for why the ability to make smart adjustments is often better than being able to divine the future. Here's Bastion Lehman. Bastion Lehman, CEO of Postmates. You guys are delivering a lot of stuff.
0: That's what we do, yeah. How much? Just over three million deliveries a month.
1: And unlike a lot of competitors, your DoorDashes, Uber Eats, you deliver all kinds of
0: things. What? Why? Why didn't you just focus on one type of thing to deliver? The company is very much driven by consumer demand. And when we started the company, we started with the promise that we want to deliver you anything from anywhere, at any time. And by default, one should not exclude other categories when you when when you start a new venture so it was always very heavily shifted towards food but we have developed right from the get-go a technology that allows us to also do deliveries from merchants that are not our partners Hmm. so if you think about our fleet 160,000 postmates they all have visa debit cards that we can fund automatically and then basically allows the fleet to act on your behalf they can walk in a store purchase an item and have it delivered to you so that could be a very esoteric store that could be the long tail of food i will give you an example we have 25,000 partner merchants on the platform so it's, we love our partner merchants but we also deliver from 200,000 individual merchants every year so, even if we were to 10x our sales team, it would take us a while to have all of these merchants in network, and maybe some of them wouldn't want to. So the ability to deliver not only more than food but also from merchants that are not part of our network, I think makes us look like Google.
1: What's the weirdest thing that you guys deliver?
0: there's a lot of there's a lot of weird things but I, you know i i I don't really have any crazy examples, but you, if you can imagine it, we probably delivered it. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it at that. Um,
1: what was the original vision behind this? How did it come to you? Something about moving to London?
0: That's correct. The, the original vision was a little different. Um, we wanted to create a ride-sharing platform for stuff. You see, when I left in Germany, ride-sharing already existed, but not in the sense of like a Lyft way, but more a website where you could say, hey, I'm leaving Munich train station at 3 p.m. tonight, heading to frankfurt if you want to join it's ten bucks and out of personal experience i was a little bit in a pickle when it got to the point that i forgot to get my snowboard to my parents place but i was about to move to london so i needed to get my snowboard delivered across the country and turns out ups and fedex at the time in germany they they, they were going to they were going to charge me an arm and a leg because it's kind of like an odd-sized item so i started talking to friends and, and a friend of mine after a few days said you know what, I'm driving to Berlin, you just want me to take this item and drop it off your mom's place. And him and I started thinking about that idea and we said, look, what if there is, surely we're not the only people, A, that have that problem and B, what if we could create a network that would allow you to do this in a more systematic way? And that's where the original idea is coming from. It obviously evolved since then.
1: Yeah, as you were mentioning that and and Germany, it just popped into my head for a while, Germany had the reputation kind of in the web 2.0 era for being a fast follower on a lot of ideas. I think it was the Samwer Brothers or something. They were doing a version of everything that was getting hot and, yeah.
0: and doing pretty well at it by the way. Did you see that going on? No, you know what? I, copying things was never of interest to me. Hmm. It, it, it is something that, that that is not interesting to me and that I find actually very boring. Right. Uh, I could never be 100% aligned with an idea if I wouldn't believe in the idea or if I would have conceived it myself. So, just looking at something and saying, hey, this looks neat, I'm going to take this to Palo Alto, I'm going to take this somewhere else, is not something that that drives me personally.
1: But I just wonder if you noticed that that was happening, if
0: you saw... Absolutely. The, yeah. the Germans made a, or made very, very, uh, dif- put it differently, many German founders. We're very, very obsessed with the idea of taking something that exists in the U.S., bringing it to Europe, because they have the expertise from an operational level, what it means to scale across different countries, because we're used to it with the European Union. So the Zamver brothers did that in a very smart way today. That's rocket internet, right? And they really did this. uh, uh, Alando, I think, was the first one that then was bought by eBay, and then it it went on from there.
1: Uh, Tell me about the first company you started
0: and why. The first company I started, um, you know, we were in Germany at the time, and uh, the company was called Seven a Day. And and basically, it was, the idea is, could there be a reverse auction for stuff? You know, Dutch flower auctions, they they start off with a lot of flowers, and it's usually at a high price and the price drops. And at some point, the price is so low that people compete to get the flowers. And we believed in an idea that would allow us to do the same thing for consumer goods. Now this was in '99. People didn't buy many other things than books online. (laughs) And and I think we stretched their imagination a little bit into two areas. First, understanding this principle of a reverse auction, just looking at you, it takes a minute to get it. And then on top of that, how can you trust a startup to purchase a TV, to purchase electronic consumer goods, when that even wasn't really a thing at the time in general? Needless to say, we bootstrapped the company for a year, but we left it as such.
1: What was the impact of that on you, Uh, whether it was lessons learned, determination to start something else, or, hey, to go work for somebody else for a while?
0: Up to that point, I wanted to be a director. I wanted to be a director all my life, as long as I can remember. Uh, was obsessed a director with of... a movie director. Okay, uh, a movie director. Uh, <laughs> that's that's all I could think of. It was a, a, if you if you were to talk to my parents, my mom would tell you that I was six or seven, and I would I, I would express the the deep desire to be a movie director and then be the person who creates movies.
1: What was that movie that you saw pre six or seven that awakened that in you? I,
0: I don't think I can point to one movie, okay. but but later on it was a lot of Kubrick movies that that really got me hooked on the idea of. Powerful storytelling and and, and doing things, you know, slightly differently yet with meaningful impact. Um, But here's the thing. I applied for a lot of um, film schools in Germany, and none of them liked my application. So, half bitter, uh, I threw myself in the adventure of seven a day that I just mentioned. And from that moment on, I realized that what I should be doing and what I'm good at Is this new bug at the time again it's 99 and that's like is there is there a way for me to create companies that you know at the time we called it the new economy Mm -hmm. and and that's the space I've been working in ever since
1: did it kind of push on the same creative bug that you had focused on directing I mean I can see similarities there's an idea. You're bringing it to life. You're yeah. looking for interesting angles. Literally, you know, you, you need to recruit the right people to be a part of it uh, to to make it happen the right way.
0: I, I, I 100% agree, and I think that's what it was. If you're if you're a creative person, or if you like, even feel like there is like an artistic element inside you then you know of course directing movies you can express that but to a certain degree creating a company is is similar as you just mentioned right you surround yourself by people that have talent you work on an idea that it's still in its infancy when when you when you start the company and 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 it's about creating so i believe that that's what fascinated me yes
1: so tell me about the journey to the us at what point with postmates or or is it okay, well, it's time to, to move to Silicon Valley. Because we always talk about right. you know, the Silicon Valley of Europe, the Silicon Valley of Texas, the Silicon Valley everywhere. But there's something special about actually being in the Bay Area in California.
0: There is, and if I look back at my career, I think I'll, I'll try to level up uh, every time I moved. You know, I, I, I lived and worked in Munich, I lived and worked in Berlin, I moved to London and lived and worked there for four years. And on the 9th of September, two thousand and nine, I quit my job and um, started thinking about what should I do next. Um, and I knew that I would want it to be in the U.S. at some point um, because what I experienced in Europe is that while there is euphoria about, you know, companies that try to change how things are done today. There's a lot of stones that are thrown in your way. Specifically in Germany, if, if if you're the odd one out, if you're not fitting in, you know I dropped out of college. If 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 you're not if you're not following the beaten path, you you'll have a hard time. And through through travels to the U.S., specifically in the Valley, I started to develop a feeling that here is a place where people embrace outsiders a little more, where, you know, we like to cheer for the quarterback. You know, that's something that is odd and doesn't exist in many European sports, if you look for an analogy, right? In in many European countries, it's all about the team. And, And here, the idea that one guy can have an influence, can come up with an idea, can change the game, I thought it was refreshing to me. And I believe that people are much more willing to give that person a shot and let him try.
1: I've heard for more than a decade pretty much that same argument about Europe and why it's so tough for entrepreneurs, protect entrepreneurs. Yeah. Why hasn't it changed? Is culture just that strong? Because people have identified this cultural issue
0: for a long time in Europe. Right, so I believe it has to do with the culture. And I wouldn't even say it's bad. It's working for Europe, right? It is just a different mentality. It, it didn't work for me, that's why I'm here. But for a lot of my friends, it works perfectly fine. And, and, and they're happy, and I believe that slowly they are changing things over there. The biggest reason why there is not even more activity, I believe for the longest time was that we didn't not enough founders would reinvest the money back into other startups that 's the cycle that makes that makes the valley so incredibly um, Successful. We, if you have success, it it is. It is almost. uh, It's. It's. It's an unspoken law that you take some of your money and you invest it in other companies. You help others have the same opportunities you have. That didn't exist for the longest time in Europe, and it still only exists to a certain extent. It's not comparable to anything I've seen here in the U.S.
1: Yeah. And it's not out of charity. I mean, in the Valley, you've got uh, Stanford and Berkeley, you've got the educational infrastructure. You've got big companies that have people who get very wealthy and decide to pursue something else. Um, you know, you've got great weather. You've got all these, and you've got the VCs who right. are there sitting on a lot of money, looking to hand it out to, to make even more money. All these elements in this ecosystem, that's pretty unique. Um, how did you meet your co founders
0: I met um, Sam, my first co-founder, in London. After I quit my job, you know, you had some time for networking. So I asked people and, and friends of mine, and I said, "Like, look, do, do you know anyone else who is up for creating products? And I got introduced to Sam. And this um, was even before you had an idea? That was before we had There was a rough idea, but it is not. it was not Postman's. Um, and we actually worked on that idea for a little while. It was an idea called Curated By. And basically, it's Twitter moments, but 10 years ago or eight or nine years ago. um, And Sam was on board, and he said, let's do something together. So the two of us, we moved over to the U.S. and we got here because Thomas Korting, an early Google employee, launched AngelPad, which is now one of the larger incubators that we have in New York, but also on the West Coast. And, um, you know, he called me and he said, like, look, I, I like German founders. He's German himself. And he said, I can, I can help you connect to the first couple of people here. Um, do you want to join the first ever AngelPad class? And I said, sure, we'll be there. It's got nothing else to do. So uh, we went over there. And on a different company called Hug Energy, um, a few people worked, including my third co-founder, Sean and Huck Energy didn't work out for many reasons. They were developing a really cool product, what they called the world's most advanced power strip. It was a power strip that would meter the usage of devices connected to them. It could tell if you're using the computer or your partner, if someone is at home or not, but they were caught in this 2011 life science trap where people wouldn't spend the money they do today for like a Nest camera, Mm -hmm. and the people that really wanted it to save the planet wouldn't spend that much money on it because it was too gimmicky. So, today the world looks different. We, we embrace these devices, but back in the days, they basically couldn't get market fit. But I had spent a lot of time with Sean, and uh, whenever there were breaks during the day, I would talk to him about Postmates, and I tried to convince him to join us, which he did uh, uh, one or two months later.
1: Tell me about the early days, the earliest form of Postmates. How were you first getting postmates to, yep. to, to deliver stuff what was the popular category?
0: how were you dispatching? it, it was it was a total mess. Um, we had a thesis that we should start the company by having by giving merchants the power to ship goods that they've just sold. So Sean's wife and my girlfriend at the time single-handedly signed up every single furniture store in San Francisco gave them an I, an iPhone and said, the next time you sell one of these chairs or the couch and these items are too big for the customer to take home, you press a button on this app, we'll send someone, and we deliver that item to the customer. So we thought that that's the way to conquer the market. And we wrote the software for it, and TechCrunch wrote a little article around it, and then nothing happened. Nothing N- happened? Not a single furniture store would actually use the app. So we're sitting there. Because they didn't trust you to actually deliver it in the way that would represent them well? Or We didn't know. So we called them and we visited them and we said like, yo, you wanted this so bad. What's going on? And they're like, "Ah, oh, you know what? The customer took it. I forgot I had it. You know, I forgot the password for it. It was just a long list of stuff. But what we saw at the same time, and this is incredible because I believe that a lot of great companies have this moment. Someone used our software for something completely different. Customers downloaded the app from the app store and they tried to order food and other stuff from their favorite stores. So instead of them being a merchant, they just typed the shopping list. But we had to cancel these deliveries because guess what? Obviously, we didn't have any payment on the fleet side, right? Mm. And that keep in mind, at that point in time we just used couriers. And these couriers just take an item from A and drop it off at B. So we had, to, we had to figure out what we could do to get the company that customers wanted going. And what we did is we sent out a newsletter to the customer base that we have, a few, a few thousand people in San Francisco. A one, newsletter? A newsletter, like, one, an, email like newsletter. an email newsletter. Like an email newsletter one Friday, and we said, this weekend, if you like us to purchase something through the Postmates app, in the item description, use the hashtag, get it now. And if we have that hashtag, we will know that we dispatched your delivery request to one of our fleet that has a Visa gift card. We went out and bought Visa gift cards from Safeway, and we gave them to the fleet, and they would then purchase these items and deliver them to you. And on the first weekend, I think we almost had $10,000 in sales. So we knew we had something going, but then the real trouble started because we had no idea how to scale this. How to scale that, yeah. And we scaled it Manually as long as we could which at peak times either my co-founder or myself would drive to a Safeway With a Silicon Valley Bank credit card and buy forty, fifty thousand 50,000 dollars worth of Visa gift cards. Wow. Everything happened from the store manager to being called the police upon It was it was a crazy time
1: California has recently um, passed some changes to how employees yeah. and contractors get classified. Is that a problem for you?
0: No, uh, we actually embrace that. You know, if you look at the ABC test that, 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 that may be in place in California, it has a lot, it has a, it has a, uh, it is a way better way to determine if somebody is an employee or not. It makes it easier for both sides. I have been calling on our lawmakers for the last four or five years to pass legislation that makes it more clear if someone is a contractor or not. Nobody is interested in legal battles. Everybody wants clarity, and I think we move a step closer to that with that new law. So Postmates remain contractors? They, they, they are contractors. Right. They, they have a great amount of freedom. They control their own work. They serve as many platforms. Absolutely. Wow.
1: Do you think the gig economy is healthy in terms of the amount that people are getting paid, the documentation, the data there is for prospective contractors on what their costs are going to be? What needs to be in place for it to be better than it is now? Is it
0: good now? Let's start at the health. On the Postmeds platform last year, our fleet earned $200 million in income, $18.23 per hour, 153 percent above minimum wage. If I compare this to a job at McDonald's, it's very healthy. But it's also still a new sector. It has cap the or it has captivated the country by storm companies like Uber, Lyft, Postmates, Instacart, our competitors. So I believe that there clearly is room for improvement. If you think about Postmates as a company, they're named after the people that do the deliveries. Our largest engineering and operations team is the fleet team. It has its own communications team. It has the most engineers. They're working day and night to increase the earnings per hour, to increase the capabilities. That means deliveries per hour done by the fleet, and they're doing that because we want to make sure that if you sign up to be a PostMeds, you have the highest earning potential possible, and it works. We survey our week, our fleet every week. 68% of all our fleet members state that they join Postmates because of the earning potential that they have on our platform above others.
1: I had Tony Shu from DoorDash on the podcast a couple months ago. They've raised a lot of money, half a billion dollars on expansion. You guys are expanding too quarter billion dollars raised so far, I I believe. At a certain point, does it get to the point where there's so many companies chasing so many contractors in Peoria that there's not room for everybody?
0: There may be a point, but if you look at the state of local commerce today, however you want to call it, commerce, income that's spent locally, $1.4 trillion market, Mm -hmm. only around 3% of these transactions happen online today. That includes all the money spent on a seamless, on a Postmates, on an Instacart, all of this together. But the market is growing 30 40% year over year. Mm -hmm. So there is going to be quite a bit of time until we see consolidation in this space. Or is there a choke point?
1: And uh, is it the consumer doesn't want to use that many apps? Or is it the merchant doesn't want to deal with that many providers?
0: We we, we believe in that world. Uh, uh, I give you a great data point here, John we have a subscription service called Postmates Unlimited. Very similar to Amazon Prime for for the listeners and viewers, a comparison here, you pay $79 a year and you get unlimited free deliveries from all our merchants on the platform. 33% of all orders are now from subscribers. It's a massive moat for us. It basically drives the cost for the customer down to almost zero on a per delivery basis and it keeps them engaged on a platform. Why would you use another app if you get access to all the goods you need via PostMes? It worked for Amazon, we're sure it works for us.
1: How long before one of you guys gets really profitable?
0: We're very close to being profitable, hmm. um, extremely close, and I believe that we will be profitable at some point this year. This year? Yes. Based on what?
1: Um, is it scale that's helped you somehow? What has changed the equation for you, even as you try to expand the number of geographic
0: areas where you operate? It, focus on unit economics. It, it, it's a brutal, brutal company to run, because it depends on so many small adjustments and efficiencies that you have to derive. We often joke internally that 2017 was a really boring year, because we dramatically worked on the profit per delivery, we basically didn't make a profit per delivery last year, to making a profit per delivery now, 40 of our 49 markets have a positive contribution margin. So the team has worked on a lot of things to improve, negotiate your payment fees. How can you increase the deliveries per hour? How can you make a merchant more efficient? How can you have better operations in store? How can you increase the take rate you get from a merchant? These are all factors that, as a package, determine if you can be profitable as a company or not.
1: Recently, in the New York area, I've seen this app uh, do a lot more advertising called Slice. And the premise behind it is... It's for pizza delivery only pizza delivery and the pizza merchants are saying i love making pizza but these delivery companies are taking too large a share of my profit i can't afford to operate the business this way but hey this app is different they're going to help us go with this what does that signal to you about the challenge for a company like yours as you expand and the take rates from merchants and you know pleasing everybody who's a constituent
0: I think one has to be careful here with anecdotes, right? I mean, the mm-hmm. story that, we're, we're, that the take rates, that the delivery That's their story. I don't know. I, I haven't seen their right. balance sheet. But, but. I mean, that's a story that works well for Slice, right? So, and <laughs> they're a very small company. So it, we're operating on a, I believe it's now $1.3 billion GMV run rate. So we're, we're moving massive amounts of GMV for every merchant that is on the Slice app and says, we would like to pay less take rate there's probably 10 pizza merchants that are extremely happy being on Postmates, on Uber Eats, on any of these platforms, because we've shown and we've proven over and over again that the deliveries we provide them with are incremental. Not only that, if you look at the customer data and if you were to look at customer segments that do delivery and that eat in-store only, your customers that also get items delivered are more likely to visit your store and do so more frequently. So not only is delivery volume incremental, but it also creates more loyalty to your own customers. And this is something that we have great data, and this is something that we use in our pitch to the merchants. When we sit down, when we explain what we're doing and why, we show them the data on the impact that Postmates has.
1: What's the next big thing in delivery, that category that most people don't see coming that's just gonna get huge?
0: I I don't think it's going to be in the delivery space. I think it is that you will see companies like Postmates focus on local commerce in general. We just launched PickUp, for example. So we we use this specifically in New York, the ability that if you have such a high and dense metropolitan area, you can just walk downstairs and pick the item up yourself. Basically, we're giving our 25,000 merchants the same abilities that Starbucks has with mobile order and pay. It's a beautiful product just launched in San Francisco. We're launching a payment product towards the end of the year, which we're very excited about. Postmates pay. So, delivery for us is what got us started in the in the local commerce space, just like books is what got Amazon started, and I believe that you will see companies competing more for the share of wallet. The income that we've spent locally, delivery is only one part of the story. You look at a new generation of commerce companies that today look like pizza companies.
1: I was just talking to Panera CEO. They're doing their own delivery, very bullish on the profit potential for them. Are more of your, maybe even current partners, going to start doing that themselves?
0: I doubt it. Um, but I also don't want to discourage it. If you are, there's great examples here, Domino's. Domino's is a fantastic company. Uh, probably the shares are doing amazing lately. Maybe also because companies like Postmates help accelerate and help grow the overall on-demand space and the awareness. So, if you are a logistics company, then that is a great thing to do, and you should do that. Uh, I like to argue that Domino's is probably not, you know, a food company; they're a much more logistics company, <laughs> and th- that is that is that is that is that is what we believe. So. For Panera, I think it's an interesting endeavor. I, I wish them all the best, and you know, if it doesn't work out, they know that they can always use our fleet and our API to fulfill the deliveries.
1: McDonald's has this thing going with Uber Eats, I believe. Is there gonna be more of that kind of competition for a big account like that with a merchant, even though the furniture delivery thing didn't
0: work out? Were you in the running for that relationship? You know, we, we, we have, if you look at the space, there will always be merchants that pick one vendor to go with. You know, for years now, we work very successfully with Chipotle. We have great promotions, great partnerships with them. There is merchants on the Postmates platform that are not on other platforms, and there are some merchants on Uber Eats that are with Uber Eats exclusively or with DoorDash. I think it's the nature of the thing. Ultimately, the company that can drive the most volume to you as a merchant is the one that you probably fall in love with and that you spend most time with.
1: Are you personally an investor at this point?
0: And it, I do I invest in other companies? Yeah. Yes, on a very small scale.
1: Uh, what's got your eye? What? What's got? What types of investments or what companies have you? Oh, uh, your eye?
0: everything that either gets funneled to me through two or three people that I really <laughs> trust, that are a lot smarter than I am. I'm very interested in the robotics space, so I have two investments in that space. Um, I believe that in the not too distant future, that our daily life will be augmented by robots, uh, self driving cars. Uh, in one way or another.
1: What about cryptocurrency? I have some. Um, I wonder about what you think its impact on Europe might be. We were talking about the entrepreneurial environment there. FinTech Mm -hmm. seems to be particularly big in Europe. And I wonder, is there the potential for some people to get burned there and maybe set the the entrepreneurial
0: culture back? Or do you think this is a really good thing that's going to fuel more interest? I, I think, you know... I'm fascinated, as we probably are jointly here about cryptocurrencies. I think it's too early to tell. I, I, I really believe that I, we may be at this like first wave that will ebb down a little bit, and then there may be a bigger one or not, that may be in five years, that may be in 10 years. But I think people still struggle to figure out what really to do with it, um, you know, other than make some money with it. because somehow the prices fall or climb. So, And I think we should wait for that.
1: Uh, Last thing I want to throw at you. I I know you're working on some autonomous technologies around deliveries. There also seems to be like this plague of scooters happening in various cities, including San Francisco. Are, Are there Postmates using things like the scooters? And how long before we get to autonomous
0: delivery vehicles whatever they're going to be. And, and what do you think they're going to be? Yeah. You won't catch me on one of them, <laughs> but people do seem to like them. Um, and the scooters. The scooters, correct. Uh, I would ride one of our own autonomous vehicles. Um, and, you know, I would encourage our fleet to use them. It, it, they seem to be a very effective way to um, maneuver inner cities very short distances. So why not? Uh, 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 let's experiment with it. And I've pretty sure the fleet already does. As far as our own autonomous vehicles go, we're testing them. They're, they're live in three markets. Um, the results are very encouraging. And, and I believe that we will roll them out slowly over time. The big thing for us is that we don't have to wait for full autonomy. Our autonomous vehicles drive on the sidewalks. They can be remotely operated. Um, So, we're we're taking a semi-autonomous approach to begin with, and that will allow us to augment the fleet that we already have. And whenever regulation is 100% sealed and done, then we will have a fleet of them that will also drive themselves. Bastian Lehman for Fort Knox. Hey, I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you.
1: I'm John Fort from CNBC. This has been Fort Knox, rich ideas and powerful people. Subscribe wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Check out the reviews on iTunes. Maybe leave me a note in one of your own. Also, subscribe to the Fort Knox channel on YouTube. That's F-O-R-T-T-K-N-O-X dot com slash YouTube. Follow me, John Fort, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. You'll see video from some of these interviews. You can say hi to me live, usually Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. There I tackle some of the most interesting business and economic issues with a little help from my friends at CNBC and from you. Just go to YouTube and search for Fort Knox or go to LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter and search for John Fort, and you'll figure out what to do from there. Meanwhile, share this, tell a friend, drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, FortKnox.com, LinkedIn, and as always, thank you for lending an ear.